Welcome to the Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. God is in the house. Amen. I hope uh, where you are at home, you're aware of God's presence with you. Uh, Thanks for joining us. And um, I'm really expecting, I'm expecting of the potential that there is in this room for us, as David prayed, to catch something of the heart of God uh, as revealed through his word. And I consider it a real honor and privilege that I've got the mic today and that some little bits that God's shown me might actually have a big impact, uh, not just in our lives, but even in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our communities, that the ripple effect of, uh, it's amazing the potential that there is in this time we have together. Um, So uh, I'm encouraged by that, and I sense God's here um, with us. Can anyone else sense that? Um, And that's what happens when we praise God like that, it opens the door. Uh, it opens the door. Think about Paul and Silas in prison. It, praise opens doors. And uh, I believe there's some, some barriers coming down between us and God. And when that happens, uh, new, new things open up in our future. Our, our destinies become closer, if you like, um, when we do that, when we praise the Lord. It's good for the soul and it pleases God. And anyway, he deserves it, right? So <laughs> whatever happens, he deserves it, even if we didn't feel it. You might, oh, I didn't really feel the worship. Today. Guess what? It wasn't really for you. Uh, we were singing to him. Amen? Okay, um, we are in a series uh, that is kind of part of laying some foundations for the whole of 2023 uh, called Building Together. And we believe as a leadership team, God has called us and is calling us to understand more deeply what it means to be together. And uh, together doesn't just happen. Together needs intentionality. Together needs us to co-work with God, to build with God. And therefore, it's not just growing together, but it's specifically building together. And what does it mean for us intentionally to build a sense of home together? What does it mean for us to build a sense of family together? And by that, we don't mean like mum and dad and, and 1.8 kids. I mean, I mean a sense of together, of family, as God's family. What does that mean? And beginning uh, this year, we're beginning to look at what does it mean to build leaders. And when I talk about leaders, uh, you might be automatically jumping to to someone else, right? To people like you'll see in these pictures. Uh, Look at these fine uh, specimens that we have on the screen. Um, These are the kind of people that we think of as leaders, right? And I'm watching your faces. Instantly, I saw a few grimaces. Oh, Oh, wow. Oh, oh, not so good. What about this next page? There, there, are, there are leaders and um, even seeing their faces might invoke inspiration in us. Wow, amazing leaders from the past and the present day, the, these leaders. But in other places, uh, we think, well, those leaders, they made a mess. They did that. They got found out. Uh, they failed us. They failed me. There's a lot of emotion involved when it comes to leaders, particularly if we think they are leaders and we are not. Particularly if we think they are leaders 
and we'll not. I've got a message for you today is that you are called to be a leader. In the kingdom of God, everyone, full of the resurrection power of God, armed with the word of God, receiving the commission of God, is called to be a leader. And it might be a leader of one, a leader of two, but a leader nonetheless. You see, the leaders that, and the reason we get cynical about this, the reason we are hesitant about this, the reason we just want to point the finger at those leaders is because actually uh, the leadership that we see displayed most prominently is hallmarked by some of these things. They're leaders of privilege. Yes? Born in the right family, it happens. Went to the right school. Went to the right private school. Went to the right university. Got the right grades. Met the right people. Got the right jobs. And their privilege has, has kind of been the reason why they're a leader. It might be prowess. It might be their ability uh, to do a certain thing, to hold their body a certain way. It might even be that they were, they were blessed with just amazing good looks, right? Maybe there's loads of reasons why people end up in leadership positions. It might be because of prestige. It might be actually because of pride, just because they got ahead. They, they stamped on everyone on the way to get to the top of the ladder, uh, and they've worked their way to the top. They've earned their way. And look at them, you know, I did it my way. That whole kind of thing is an anthem of a whole generation of leaders. We think of leadership as this. Leadership is about power in so many places. Leaders about those who have the power that wield it over those who don't. Any student of history knows that the world is littered and actually graves are filled with hundreds of thousands of people that suffered at the hands of those who got power and abused it. And brought division amongst people and brought racial injustice and brought the suppression of the poor, the caste system in India. There's loads of examples where power is given to a few elite and the rest of us just suffer the consequences. Listen, that's not the leadership I believe we're called to. We're called to be part, as Christians, of the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of this earth. Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, said, my kingdom is not of this world. You think you've got power, Pontius Pilate. Guess what? You've only got power because I let you have it. <laughs> but listen, I've got, a, I've got a, a leadership and a kingdom leadership that's not of this world. I'm not your kind of leader. David last week talked about servant leadership, about what actually God has done. And what he wants to do here is he wants to flip leadership. It is not about being served, but now we're called and we, it's given to us to serve. Yes. So Christianity and the Christian message, Christian life, it calls all of us to leadership. Yes. It's just a different kind of leadership. That's right. And leadership and influence are the same thing. You sit at home. No one's feeling very creative about what to eat. And someone walks in the house and says, should we have a curry? <laughs> Minutes later, the Raj Garden <laughs> is on the phone. Who's the leader? The person with influence. Thank the Lord for such a divine impulse as shall we get a curry. But you and I are called to lead. And we have influence. So when we talk about leadership in this context, it's not for you to think about them 
and well, there's just the rest of us who suffer all their idiot things that they do. Instead, I, I'm inviting you as we come to the Lord's table and think about Jesus as, as our ultimate leader. Then after that, we're going to have an opportunity to stand and to, if you like, fill the jacket that God has given us to lead like Jesus. Now, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to leaders in the Old Testament, uh, the one that one of the ones that stands out the most is Moses, and you realise he was he was highly flawed, like highly flawed. Can I just say every leader you might ever see or observe highly flawed. The reason I know that is, do you know what? You are highly flawed, and so am I. And yet God in his grace is in the business of entrusting leadership to Moses. Now, Moses is a Hebrew. He's living in Egypt. You might know the story. Uh, you know the, um, the basket that he was put in. He grows up in Egypt, but he's a Hebrew. And in the book of Exodus, um, he, he doesn't start off too well because he sees an Egyptian. He sees some ethnic violence. He sees an Egyptian oppressive power. You know, Egyptians had all the power. He sees one of his Hebrew friends, uh, effectively cousins or relatives, a slave. And he sees the slave being mistreated, and so he kills the Egyptian. He murders him, and then he buries him in the sand. He looks around to make sure no one's looking. This is Exodus chapter 2. Make sure no one looks at him in verse 12. And then in verse 13, it says, The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. It's like, come on, brothers. Right, that's, that's my kind of, my, why are you beating up your friend? I mean, we've had enough from these Egyptians, right? But, but come on, guys, we're meant to be on the same team, is my paraphrase. And uh, the man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Oh, he got burned. <laughs> but... The question is, who are you to appoint, who are you appointed you as the judge? Well, the story is amazing because Moses, through a series of, of revelations of what God's plan is, through a whole load of mistakes and near misses and actually some incredible victories, he goes from being just an angry young man to actually being entrusted with God to lead the Hebrews out of the Egyptian slavery. And you know the story. It's a powerful story. If you don't, I'd encourage you uh, to look at it. Watch uh, Ben-Hur or something. No, just, um, <laughs> the, the, just recognize the incredible delivery of God. He used Moses. And so it gets to the time we get to Matthew. Uh, sorry, not Matthew. Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong testament. Um, in Exodus, we get to Exodus and we find uh, later on in verse 17, there's like water coming from a rock. They're in the wilderness. God's providing water from kind of nowhere. There's miracles. There's a sense that even though they're in the wilderness, at least they've got Moses as their leader. And in, verse, uh, in chapter 17, verse 8 onwards, there's this story of where Joshua is killing the evil Amalekites. Like if you heard Amalekites in those days and it was a panto, you'd go, boo, horrible, evil Amalekites. They were evil. And so part of the purposes of God were actually to get rid of their evil, which meant, which meant suppressing them. That's all complicated. But anyway, Moses is there. Aaron and Hera holding his hands up. Joshua is fighting and his arms are up and there's victory. Like Moses is the man, right? And so then all this victory, all this amazing success as a leader. And his, his father-in-law comes for a visit. Now, I don't know if you've got a father-in-law. How's that? How's that relationship? 
Now, this is on the internet. Effectively, it's on TV. So I have to say, I have the best in-laws in the whole world. Never been any conflict or difficulty. Honestly, it's like a Disney movie. Like one of the good ones, the happy ones. There's lots of terrible things in Disney movies. That's a bad example. No, seriously, when you're, when you're uh, approached by a family member, and you know the ego's there, isn't it? You don't want to be told what to do. Jethro shows up. He hears what has been happening with Moses, all the incredible victories. And, and he tells him, and, and uh, Jethro is a priest of Midian. He doesn't honor the God of Moses, but he then hears the story, says, well, your God, I want to offer a sacrifice to your God. He's, he's, the, he's the God of gods, like... This is serious. So he, he, they have a meal together, they celebrate. And the next day, this is what happens. The next day, uh, I guess Moses, you know when it's like when family visit and you're still working, you haven't taken annual leave? A bit like that, right? The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for his people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me and get a ruling from God. That's why. Because the people come when the dispute arises, they come to me. And I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and give them his instructions. And that's true, he did. This is before the tablets had been written on with the Ten Commandments. This is before the law had been laid out. Moses was the one who had the revelation about how society is meant to work uh, in the wilderness, away from all those Egyptians, the new kind of kingdom where he, he had the instruction, he had the wisdom. That wasn't arrogance. He was just taken up with, he had like a monopoly on it, or he thought he did. Verse 17, this is not good. Moses' father-in-law exclaimed, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks. So I'm, a, so I'm a rubbish husband and I'm a rubbish leader now, am I? No, just joking. Anyway, you're going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice. And may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. In other words, you need to be representing the people before God. What's that? That's prayer, right? That's prayer. You should continue that. He said, teach them God's decrees and give them this instruction. Show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures. Let's read the next few words together. And all these people will go home in peace. Let's say it together. And all these people will go home in peace. Some translations say they'll go home satisfied. The Hebrew for this is really important. They will go home in peace. The, the Hebrew is shalom. Now, shalom is not the feeling of peace that you get just by lighting some candles and sitting back in the bath. 
All right, that's not shalom. That's just, that's just I don't know, that's just aromatherapy or something. That's, that's just a warm bath, right? You might, feel, you might feel peace. That's not shalom. Shalom is when things are right between us and God, yes. between us and each other, even though we're really different and might not get on. Shalom is when we get on. Shalom is when we appreciate each other. Shalom is when everything is right, not only between me and God and me and you, but me and the land, and even me and animals, and the environment. That's shalom. And God's plan and purpose has always been to establish the shalom of heaven on the earth. So when we say, when we prayed as we did earlier, let your kingdom come let your will be done in, on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for the kingdom of heaven, which is a kingdom of shalom, to be brought about and experienced on the earth. So in this dispute, the solution leads to peace. I call out of you, not a leader of power, not a leader of prestige or prowess or privilege. I call out of you in the name of Jesus, as much as I'm able to do so with the little gift that I've got, I'm calling out of you the leader of peace, the leader that brings about shalom on the earth. That's God's heart for each and every one of us. You are called to be a leader of shalom. Wherever you have influence to bring shalom. And he makes really clear, doesn't he, that, that not everyone has the same capacity. That's the Jethro principle. I love it. It's really helpful, isn't it? Because if you think, well, I can't be a leader because I can never imagine standing at the podium at number 10 Downing Street, so therefore I'm not a leader. Rubbish. In this, we see that they're separated out. You see, the one thing that is a constant is the need for leaders of peace. Always have been, always will be needed. The world needs leaders who bring shalom. The variable is capacity. You do not have the same leadership capacity as the person sitting next to you. And that is okay. You may simply be called to be a leader of one or a leader of two. Still, stand up, get off the sofa and lead. Nothing against anyone right at home sitting on the sofa. It's an analogy. It may be that you are simply to be a leader of one or two, to serve. Remember, leading is serving, to serve one or two. It may be that your circle is wider than that. Think about this. Uh, you change the atmosphere of every room that you go in. You're an influencer. Therefore, you're a leader. Does anyone want a curry? Would anyone like a cup of tea? Yes, please. So, Listen, again, again, an analogy, <laughs> but um, Phil, I wonder if you wouldn't mind, um, Christy would love a cup of tea, so I don't know if that's possible, thank you very much, I offered, I feel like that was, <laughs> how do you have it? <laughs> so, so, so whatever room that you're in, you have influence in that room, Yes. So do you bring, you know, it's raining outside. Do you bring the clouds in with you? Or are you one of those that goes into a room because you want to bring peace to say, do you know what? It's great weather's, weather for ducks, you know? They, ducks love this weather. 
You know what the greenery we're going to enjoy in spring? It's because it's raining in January. I'm not talking about positive mental attitude, all of that psychobabble nonsense. I'm not. I'm simply talking. I'm, I'm simply talking about what it means to use that influence to bring peace. And the people around you know you have influence over them, even with a smile, by making some eye contact. In your home, you have influence, even if you live on your own. You have influence. You've got effectively, uh, most people have a remote control. It chooses channels. I don't know if you've come across this. I know some are kind of less techy than others, but if you press the buttons, it can either choose something that brings shalom into your home or something that maybe destroys it. Yes? Yes. Same on every screen. The mouse can do that as well. Some of you really high-tech people, you move it around on the screen, you choose what website you go to. It can either bring peace or actually it can disturb it. Shalom? No shalom. I'm calling out of you and myself the leader that brings peace in in families. You know, the the conversation in your home, in your family, you can change the topic of conversation. When it starts to go south, you can change it. One of the leaders I really respect uh, is, and of many, but one of the church leaders I really respect is Esther Story. And uh, I was, uh, she leads the church with her husband up in Coventry in CLM. I've just been reminded of this. And we were in a restaurant, in fact, uh, in Lebanon. Uh, We were doing some work to support the Syrian refugee effort there with a great church. And we were in a a restaurant. Magdi was there, uh, one of our ministry leaders. And we got talking at the table. And within our denomination, there'd been a whole load of kind of, let me just call it political nonsense. Um, You might be surprised that that would ever take place. (laughs) in a Christian denomination, but I'm telling you, it was political nonsense. But something had happened, and the person sitting next to me um, started to raise a conversation that was like, it was like a slippery slope into gossip. You, you know what I'm talking about? It's like, it's like, did he really just say that? And I sat there just thinking, well, I'm not going to enter into this conversation. Esther, <laughs> in the table... Uh, sitting at the table, and even though the, the leader was senior to her in years, more respected perhaps or whatever, she, she just said, I cannot be party to any conversation on this subject. Can we talk about something else? Wow. It was like a spiritual kick in the knees under the table. <laughs> now, that's leadership. If you can be around a lunch table, you can change the conversation. I thank God that I wasn't taken to a place of compromise because she had the courage to change the conversation. You can do the same thing. You can do that at work. You can do that in your team meeting. You can do that when you're doing a presentation. The language you use either brings peace or it doesn't. It either breeds foment and discord and anger and distrust or it brings about peace. I think you're getting the message. So whatever your circle of influence Be a bringer of peace in the name of the Lord. And be conscious about that and be intentional about that. You might be leading a department or your own company. You might have huge responsibility. There might be your picture might be on a wall somewhere. Thank you. So this is great. So see, the hospitality team are amazing. Oh, that's amazing. So thank you. (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's great. See, 
Let's hear it for the hospitality team. Pretty amazing. <laughs> oh, that was pretty <laughs> <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Um, see, everyone else is like, oh, I love one of those. <laughs> everyone at home is like, I've got one right in my hand. <laughs> okay, so um, we're called to be wide-eyed leaders and not just kind of blind, head-down followers of what's set for us. And as a church, I believe God's calling us to, to build leaders together, to become leaders together who bring peace. And it's a personal challenge to, to stop being that kind of head down, hiding in the corner follower. But actually, and, and there's nothing wrong with following, I'll say about that in a moment, but actually for us to stand up where we have influence and to use it for the kingdom. Because if we don't, in some teams, if we don't, who will? Hello? If we don't, even on the picket line, speak a word of peace and hope, who will? Wherever we find ourselves to bring a, be a person of peace. Otherwise, we find that other things determine how we live. Uh, arrogance can step in so easily. Pride, greed are such powerful forces. They might, we might end up finding ourselves in a place of leadership, but not bringing peace, just bringing our own, our own agenda. We might be led by algorithms. Don't be led by algorithms. Be led by this, the ultimate rhythm of wisdom and guidance that comes from heaven. The life of the spirit in your heart. This should determine what we look at, not what meta have collected about our usage on the internet. Can I hear an amen? amen. So there's lots of ego around there's lots of power, lots of prestige. There's lots of pride. There's lots of pretense, pretending. There isn't enough peace. And we have been looking, haven't we, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at flipping, God's flipping the church, flipping church. I've been saying that for two decades. No, I haven't. Um, he's calling us from passivity to passion. Not just passively sitting back and letting the world just lead us. So some of us have got a spiritual version of long COVID. Have you know anyone's got physical long COVID? Uh, and I heard it's horrendous. I've got friends who've got that and it, it feels like not really recovered. I'm saying that, that more of us have, ended, have got like the, the, the equivalent of like a spiritual COVID. We're still sat in lockdown. Our spiritual gifts are in lockdown. Our talents are in lockdown. It's got to come out. You know, the, the pandemic is over. It's time now for us to get off our, in our comfort zones and actually to ask the Lord to give us his passion. And when he does that, we'll live in peace. We'll bring peace, not just live in peace. To go from a place of comfort, he's getting a bit tatty now, comfort to cause. He's flipping us to go from a, a life of comfort to giving us a cause. And that is unique and individual for each of us. In God's brilliance, he didn't make the person next to you like you hardly at all. You've got so much that's different about you. Some of you are really unique. And God is just so good. Oh, I'm in trouble. Um, so, um, so what does this mean in the church? 
because we talked about leadership at work and at home, but what does it mean in the church? Well, I want to point you to some scripture from the great Apostle Paul, formerly Saul the terrorist. He was like Osama bin Saul. Like he was, he was seriously, he was a terrorist, a great leader, a great leader. But his leadership was focused before he met Jesus on bringing havoc, on bringing terror, on bringing death to the Christ followers, trying to kill the church. Then he meets Jesus on the Damascus road, has a revelation of the grace of God. And then he becomes a leader who brings peace. So when he writes to the church and the church is in Ephesus, one of my favorite letters in the New Testament, for sure. When he writes, he has a vision of a new society. And in this church, there's loads of ethnic tension and, and actually really bad history between the Jews and the Gentiles. And I want you to notice in this passage, as we look at it briefly, I want you to notice the place of peace. Verse 11 of Ephesians 2. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body... On the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Let me pause there. He stopped the fighting between us, between the Jew and the Gentile. He did this by ending the system of law with its uh, commandments and regulations. He made, let's read together. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. He goes on, together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Let's read this together, verse 17. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit. Because of what Christ has done for us. That's amazing. That's amazing. He's brought us peace. His leadership brings peace. And he calls us to be party of that, the peace of heaven. Now, um, the next couple of verses we're going to read, and then we're going to come into land with this message. The next couple of verses I think we'll return to a few times during 2023 as we look at the theme of home and family and leadership. So, so verse 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens. You're citizens along with all God's people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joining together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
And then he talks later about, when he thinks of this, he falls to his knees in praise. So this is amazing. God's brought peace between where there was ethnic tension. Now there is unity. And I want to point out in this that, that it's important. He makes a point of saying that what's built is built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. There are leadership gifts made available to and through the church of Jesus Christ to lay foundations. Apostles are like pioneers who lay a foundation. They break through. But they need the help of prophets who come alongside and confirm the leading of God and speak the heart of God and the word of God. And on those kind of foundations that are laid, the cornerstone is Christ. Everything else in the church is built up. So we become a house of God. And so we understand that there are leadership gifts within the church that need to be encouraged and raised up. And our commitment and our prayer is simply this, is that we will see not just the apostles and the prophets, but evangelists and shepherds and teachers raised up in this church family, not just to organize stuff on Sundays, Not just to minister on the platform on Sundays or in our kids group or in our youth group. But actually between Monday and Saturday, every single minute to be leaders in our society. Because, do you know, our communities need apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers who bring about the shalom of heaven on the earth. That's what your workplace needs. That's what your college needs. Heaven knows it's what your neighborhood needs. It's what this neighborhood needs. So God is calling us to build leaders intentionally and to bring peace. Now, we're going to come to the Lord's table in just a moment. But before we do that, I want us just to have a think about what it would be like for us to grow in this, to grow as a church family where servant leadership is fostered and fertilized So instead of just having a few trees, we've got saplings all over the place. Yes, that we become the kind of place where we are praying for leaders to emerge. We're praying uh, that right now, I understand one of the kids groups is looking at Joshua and the courage of Joshua as in his leadership. And there's an encouragement to our boys and girls today to say, we want you to be, God wants you to be courageous. And to take the ground that is given you, that's our message to the emerging generation. It's not just for adults, for kids of all ages to prayerfully identify leadership gifting among all ages and for us to become fertile ground where we leave behind all that cynicism and mistrust. We leave behind that idea that you have to go to Bible college to be used by God. Honestly, that you have to get ministerial status to be used by God. That is absolute rubbish. It is. <laughs> but I just want you to know, I have ministerial status. <laughs> Don't you realize? I've got a badge somewhere. <laughs> but in identifying leadership, and you see... Uh, Leaders of ones and twos, recognizing leaders who can lead grow groups and small groups. We've got some new emerging leaders within our youth team that are going to be leading small grow groups of of our teenagers, getting together to pray and to talk about God and talk about life and whatever comes up. We've got leaders that God's going to raise up who are going to be preachers that are going to preach so much better than I can. Hallelujah. Some of you sitting there, it's like, that's great. Hasten the day. (laughs) 
That's what I'm saying. Hasten the day. Where we, you can see worship leading, all those kind of, these kind of gifts. But I'm talking about the gifts of everyone. There's only a few microphones. But you have leadership where you are. You have opportunities where you are. To be a place where we accept that every leader has flaws. And to have grace for that. And to have patience with that. That's the kind of church we are. That's the kind of church we're becoming. That we let people kind of mess up a bit. The fact this is on the internet sometimes a bit imposing. It's like, oh gosh, guess what? People can see this anywhere in the world. Yeah, they can. They're not really seeing it anywhere in the world. It's, it's not that popular. <laughs> um, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is that we become a place where gifts grow. And courage is encouraged. And through our patience and grace to see leaders grow, we'll see a whole generation rise up to bring peace. And we're going to invest in those leaders. And if you, are, if you feel as a result of today, you feel, I've got this leadership in me. I've never really talked about it or explored it. I'd like to find out more. We have a Raising Leaders course that's starting in a month's time. If you'd like to apply to be part of that, speak to David Dobwell. His email address is on the screen there. In fact, why don't you just all send him an email? He'd love that. His inbox is just going... <laughs> um, anyway, um, there'll be information on the website as well um, about raising leaders. We want to encourage you along a journey um, of uh, discovering your leadership gifts and how they can grow. Okay, I think that's probably enough. And I want to now turn our attention to the Lord's table. You see... Jesus is the ultimate peace bringer, right? He is the prince of peace. As I said, for the punishment that he suffered, it brought us what? Peace. And when James and John, we heard this from Matthew 20 last week, when James and John and all their egos in the way about who can lead and who gets the right seat in the right place, all that kind of stuff, he effectively was saying, I can't give you a seat I don't know who's going to sit where, but I can give you a cup. And for some of us in our workplaces and in what we're going to, to take the cup is to take a cup of suffering, actually. It might not be the best career step. It might not be the most comfortable thing you could do. It might not even look great on your CV, but it might be that today you need to accept a cup that the Lord offers you. And in doing that, he offers you, he says, I trust you to be a bringer of peace where I've called you to be. That's amazing. My life is not my own, Lord. is not my
I give myself away Withholding nothing I give I give myself away So you can use me Use me, yes Lay it all before you, Lord Lay it all before you Everything we give to you, Lord. Okay. Just hold your hands to the Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you right now in this, this room full of leaders. For those at home, we invite you now. Come, Holy Spirit of the living God. Would you fall afresh on us today, God? Fall afresh on us, Lord, that we might be so full of you that our teams and our workplaces are changed, our classes and our schools and our homes are changed. Oh God, we say, come Holy Spirit of the living God, come and fall afresh on your church today. We lay it all before you, Lord, all our ego, we lay it down. All that pride, we lay it down, God. That prowess, that determination to have our way, we lay it down. And instead, we take up the mantle of your kingdom to be peace bringers. You said, Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers. So, Lord, would you bless us? Would you bless us? And I, as I look around this room, I pray for each and every person to know the fullness of your grace and the strength of your calling, the strength of your calling that calls out of darkness into light, that calls out of chaos into order, that calls out of discord and arguments and fighting into, into peace and harmony. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or by joining us on Sundays at 9am and 11am in person and online.